Welcome to Family Bible Hour, a broadcast of the Sunday morning worship services of North Florida Baptist Church in Tallahassee, Florida. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to look at verses 8 through 16. We're in a series. The title of the series is Finding Your Faith. The reason that I'm in this series is because I really do believe with everything that's in me that God's people in this country in particular have lost their faith. I don't think everybody's lost their faith, but I think that there's, it's like a slow leak in a tire. The faith has gone flat, and uh, it's, it's not operating at optimum speed the way that it used to because there's not as much to it as there used to be. There may, could be any number of reasons for that. But I'll tell you, there's one reason that it's, it's not, and that is it's not God's fault. If, if, you're, if you have a, a leak, a slow leak in your faith, it's not God that, that put it there. And so we're trying to see various areas of faith where that we should recover our faith and we should find our faith and, and uh, see our faith renewed and see our faith put back and beyond uh, where it ever has been. The title of the study today is Obedient Faith from Hebrews 11, verses 8 through 16. Years ago, I I used an illustration to make a point about obedient children. Uh, And the illustration is about a missionary in South America who was with his family when his young son walked under a tree with a low-hanging branch. And the missionary called to his son, and he told him to stop and to not take another step. And uh, then he told the little boy to turn around slowly and walk toward him. And sure enough, the, the little boy did stop, and the little boy did turn around slowly, and he did begin to walk back toward his father. And when he got to his father's arms, he turned to see what the reason was that his father had told him. And there was a deadly snake that had been hanging on a limb just above the place where he had been walking. And had his dad told him what the danger was, he may have panicked and the snake attacked. But instead, by faith in dad and obedience to his word, he was kept safe from harm. Now that is a, an illustration, and I don't know whether the story is even true or not, but it's a wonderful illustration of the way that we should obey our Father who is in heaven. And it introduces the topic of obedient faith. Obedience is not a word that we like in today's society. We're in a consumer-driven society today. Uh, We like to be obeyed, and we like to be uh, ministered to, and we like to, uh, we we are in a a Burger King world where we want to have it our way. But the idea of just simply being obedient because it's the right thing to do, that obedience is the right thing in our Christian walk, well, that doesn't seem to be enough for a lot of today's Christianity. We have to have more than Uh, than God just simply telling us. We want uh, everything the way that we want it, and we want it when we want it. We want the best church facilities and staff, but we really want somebody else to pay for it. We're not interested in the obedience that it takes to care for the house of God. We want music the way that we want it, um, and and we don't want it to vary from the way that, that we want it. We want to be rewarded for coming to church on Sunday morning. We feel like that if we get up and go to church on Sunday morning that somehow or another that is a, an action that should be rewarded by God the rest of the week and maybe for the rest of our lives. And we have that idea in our head that, that if I just go to church then, 
then I, uh, I should uh, be treated in a certain way by the Lord. We don't see the obedient aspect of, of going to church. And quite honestly, had we been the missionary's son with the snake hanging from the tree, we would have demanded some sort of a full explanation before we even turned around to see who was calling us. The verses that uh, we are looking at today from Hebrews chapter 11 tell us something about having an obedient faith. If you'll look at verse 8, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and and builder is God. Faith, uh, by faith, Sarah herself uh, received power to conceive even when she was past the age since she was considered, uh, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of the heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of the sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. This today is the story of obedient faith. And we're going to see three things, three aspects of obedient faith. First of all, we're going to see uncharted faith. We're going to understand from God's dealings with Sarah and Abraham that the uh, territory in which they were traveling or would travel is a territory of uncharted faith. We will see unlikely faith as we continue to follow and see how Sarah indeed did conceive a child, and uh, the child's name was Isaac. And then finally, we're going to see ultimate faith. Let's begin with uncharted faith. What is it to have uncharted faith in our lives? I don't uh, have personal experience in all areas of faith. By the way, that's a picture of Jan and myself when we were much younger, and I do not know what kind of shirt I have on. It appears to be something straight from Saturday Night Fever. But uh, that being said, I'm glad that I indeed stayed alive. But uh, I I don't have personal experience in all areas of, of faith, but I can tell you a little bit about uncharted faith just from personal experience. Uh, God called me to preach when I was only 23 years old. It was a distinct and a very clear calling. There was no question about the calling. The call to preach was different from anything that I'd ever experienced in my life, and it was different from anything that I'd ever wanted. There's never been one day since God called me to preach that I said to myself, did God really call me to preach? I can tell you of an absolute certainty that God has a call on my life, and I know what that calling is, and the calling is to preach. But prior to that, that evening, 
uh, in, uh, at, 20, at 5300 Cimarron Boulevard in the Marbella Club Apartments in Castleberry, Florida. Prior to that evening, I had no frame of reference for what it meant to be a preacher other than what I'd seen in my dad. I was, it was uncharted territory. After responding to God's uh, call and seeking more training, he began to lead me into other uncharted paths. He led me to a little church in Sanford, Florida called the Elder Springs Baptist Church. I went to the Elder Springs Baptist Church on Hester Avenue in Sanford, Florida, and there I began what for me was uncharted territory. I'd never been a pastor before. And then after that, God uh, spoke to my heart and he said, I want you to go back home to Nashville, Tennessee, and I want you to start a church in Nashville, Tennessee. Now, I want to tell you something that was uncharted territory for me, but I did go back to Nashville. Jan was supportive in that as she had been supportive in everything else. And, and on July the 4th, 1976, we began the church that today is still there, the Metro Baptist Church. It is now in the uh, suburb uh, town of Goodlettsville. That's the town that I actually uh, <clears throat> went to high school in. But that was uncharted territory for me. I stayed there 15 and a half years. I was very, very happy there. And those people, quite honestly, were very, very happy with me. Uh, it was one of those things where, quite frankly, I think they thought that I could walk on water. And <clears throat> I stayed there for 15 and a half years. And then God called me to more uncharted territory. It was to Tallahassee, Florida. I'd never even been to Tallahassee, Florida. And I'd never heard of the Temple Baptist Church, North Florida Christian School, or anything else that was down here. I had no frame of reference for Tallahassee, Florida. It was <clears throat> uncharted territory. And so I came down here to this uncharted territory uh, now over 22 years ago. And God led me to this uncharted place for my life. There are a lot of uncharted places where God will lead us in our lives. And for you, there may be an uncharted place as well. And let me just say this. Uncharted territory most often involves a place of calling. <clears throat> it involves a place that you do where God uh, or what God has called you to do. Hebrews 11 and verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go to a place. He was called to go to a spot, a place. Last week, we had missionaries here who God had called to go to certain places. There was a missionary here, and God had laid on that missionary's life to go to the place of South Africa, Durban, South Africa, in particular. There was another who God had called to a place of Liberia, and another, the place of Brazil, and another, the place of Costa Rica, and on and on it goes. Most oftentimes, when we are given the challenge of our faith to go in obedience to uncharted territory, oftentimes there is a place, and that was what it was with Abraham and his walk of obedience. Look at Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. 
I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now while that seems to be a, a unique trust, it's a, the very definition of faith for God to call us to a place or at least in a direction that might be unfamiliar to us. Remember verse 1 of Hebrews 11, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So here's what you and I should understand. We should understand that sometimes God places a calling on our lives, and that calling is for uncharted faith. That uncharted faith may very well lead us to a place of calling. Here's the second thing. It may also lead us to a promised reward. Again, verse 8, by faith Abraham prayed when he was called to go out to a place, now watch this, that he was to receive an inheritance. Now when you're encouraged to believe God's promise, this is exactly what is being talked about. Walking in faith, uh, we go to where God is leading us to go, and we go with the expectation that God is going to have a blessing in that place. That blessing may come in various forms. That blessing may come in the the form of a testing. Let me say this to you, and I say this lovingly, and I say this loving this church and every single one of you. I told you that when I left Nashville that those people there thought I could walk on water. Uh, Here's what happened to me. I came from a place where I was walking on water to a place where I was treading water in a very short period of time. And it was only by faith that I had any frame of reference for the fact that this is where God wanted me to be. This is what God wanted me to do. Had I been walking, no, no martyr complex here at all, please, but had I been walking by sight and not by faith, then I would have turned that U-Haul around and gone back in the other direction. I, w- I would not have stayed here because the promise of reward did not seem to be instant gratification when I was here. Uh, the, the, the truth is that when I walked in faith to come here, I believed God. <clears throat> and when you walk in faith, you must believe God and that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. You say, well, I've done something by faith and I haven't seen God's reward. Welcome to the club. Uh, there are a lot of us. <clears throat> How many of you have done something by faith and you've either had to wait to see God's reward, or you're still waiting. Would you raise your hand high in the air? <clears throat> there you go. You say, well, then what's the point of having faith? Because His ways are not our ways, and His thoughts are not our thoughts. And whatever God decides to do is the right thing, and it's the good thing. You say, well, that's kind of blind, is it? That's kind of having a blind faith, isn't it? Well, exactly. That's what faith is. It's the evidence of things not seen. That's the way that we should obey God. We should obey God understanding that if we never really understand it, that God is still going to be right. We're dealing here with the story of Abraham and Abraham's offering uh, or Abraham giving, uh, God giving to Abraham and Sarah a son named Isaac. In in a Sunday or two, we're going to see something unbelievable that God uh, told Abraham to do with his son Isaac. Not the gratification, the reward that you might think. When we're dealing with uncharted faith, oftentimes it's to a place of calling. 
And there is a promised reward whether we see it or not. But I'll tell you this, it leads to what I call a preserving faith. I want you to look at again at some key elements here. Again, and he went out not knowing where he was going, verse 8. By faith he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Now God did not, or Abraham did not know or own the land where he was going. It didn't belong to him. He went to a, a land, <coughs> excuse me, that God was calling him to go to. He, he didn't know how long it would take for him to actually possess the land, but he knew that God had promised it. He and the others lived in tents in the land that, where they would someday build their houses, but not then. They only lived in a temporary dwelling. He encouraged others to believe the promise that he believed, and they did. They followed him in believing the promise. And for as long as he lived, he never stopped believing that God would give him the land and the, uh, that his ancestors would hold the land that God had promised. His faith preserved him. His faith just took him through a lot of various scenarios. Now, you're going to have trouble in this life. You're going to have difficulty in this life. Uh, it's not going to be easy all the time. In fact, I'll tell you this, it may not be easy much of the time. And it will be your faith that preserves you. It will be your faith that sees you through, that gets you through. Please don't think, well, I've got to see it right now, or I'm not, I've got to have it right now, or I'm not going to be able to walk by faith. Well, that's not even close to the definition of walking by faith. Walking by faith understands that it's going to come, but you, you cannot give up on it. You can't say, well, uh, it never did come, and so I have no use for God anymore. You know what Galatians says, Galatians 6, 9, and let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. A lot of folks give up. I was thinking just uh, actually yesterday about various people, and if you've been a pastor a while, uh, or if you've been in the ministry for a while, even if you've been a member of a church for a while, here's what you know. You know that, that there are people who get very strong in their faith, or at least they want to be strong in their faith, and then after a period of time of not actually seeing what they thought the reward was supposed to be, guess what they do? They give up. Now, it's not always the case, but have you ever said this to yourself? I wonder whatever happened to old so-and-so. You, you were thinking of somebody that used to go to church, somebody that used to be a part of the church family, or you saw them in the, the grocery store, you saw them somewhere along the way, and you say, I wonder whatever happened to them. Now, now, I don't know all the particulars that happens to everybody, and not everybody that you don't see anymore in the house of God or in this particular church give up, but the truth is there are a lot of people that just give up. They, they don't see the faith working out the way that they had anticipated, and, that, and they had that slow leak in faith, and finally it gets so flat that they can't even roll on that flat tire, and they just give up. Don't allow that to happen. Here's what you should allow happening in your life. You should allow for God to preserve you in faith. You should allow for God to have you, uh, give you sustainability in faith. 
in uncharted territories, in the uncharted uh, aspect of your life, have a faith that preserves you. This is the way, this is what I know God has called me to do, told me to do. I'm going to do what God told me to do, and I will wait on God to figure this out for me. I'm not going to try and figure it out. Now, here's the second thing. In uncharted faith, oftentimes it's an unlikely faith. Keep reading, if you will. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she was considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, boy, there's your good description, him as good as dead, were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven, as many as the innumerable grains of the sand by the seashore. Now, continuing to explore what it means to obey in faith, we move to Abraham's wife, Sarah. Abraham was not perfect in his faith. Sarah was not perfect in her faith. None of us are. Nobody is perfect. In fact, you may recall from your Bible reading that Sarah had a personal servant named Hagar. You remember that? She was like the lady's maid uh, to... uh, she was like the lady's maid to, to um, Sarah. Her name was Hagar. And since uh, Sarah could not conceive a t- child, she told Abraham to have a child with Hagar, which he did. Now let me just pull over and say something here. Gentlemen, if your wife ever tells you, hey, it's okay, and then you can fill out in the blanks. She is lying to you. Whether it means go to dinner, hold somebody's hand, look at somebody a second time. If she ever says, do you think she's pretty? You say, I missed her. Who are you talking about? Sarah said to her husband, look, I'm old. You can't have a child. We know about, I can't have a child. We know about the promise of God. I'm sure that he meant for this to come through somebody else. So, uh, Hagar, uh, <clears throat> she's nice looking. Why don't you and Hagar get together? And they did. Now, I'm going to say something here, and I want you to know this. Please don't ask me to explain this. Uh, <clears throat> I think it was wrong. In every sense, it was wrong. This was just flat out wrong. Sarah suggested it. Abraham participated. And it was wrong. It was not God's plan. The Jews are the descendants of Isaac, the son of promise to Abraham and Sarah. Now, my belief is that the Arab world are the descendants of Ishmael, who's the unauthorized child of Abraham and Hagar. And let me tell you this, been trouble ever since. All this can go back to Abraham and Sarah. You know how that all original sin can go back to Adam and Eve? What's going on right now in this world with this thing turned upside down with all the terrorism and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, can go back to one day Abraham foolishly saying to Sarah, I think that's a good idea. Excuse me, but what an idiot. He caused me a lot of trouble and you too. Now when I get on an airplane... (laughs) I have to take off my shoes and my belt and all kinds of stuff, and I have to stand there and and 
put my hands like this and they do this full body scan and, and they all get to see how, how manly and muscular I am. <clears throat> all because Abraham said, that's a good idea. <clears throat> Look, let's talk about Sarah a minute. Get off <laughs> poor old Abraham. First of all, it's easy to say and, and suffice it to say that Sarah was a discouraged woman <clears throat> in biblical times and in, in many if not most cases today a woman wants a child. A woman, uh, not always, but a woman wants a child. As traumatic as it is, and, and I don't understand this because look, <clears throat> I have been near uh, childbirth. I've not been in the room and, and you know, will we'll not be in the room unless somebody, you know, chloroforms me and I wake up in there. <clears throat> but but women will go through this, this childbirthing thing. And, and I mean, you know, it's, it's just awful on them. And after they ha- have the child and, and their body recovers and, and they're just loving on that child, they start thinking like this. Let's have another one. I don't understand that. I mean, that was like, you know, my wife was like a, almost said three-time loser on that, and, I, and that would not have been a, the right thing to say. I, so I'm not going to say that. Um, but you understand. I, I, let me just leave that. Uh, <clears throat> amen is right. As we've already discussed, Sarah didn't have a, have a child, and, and she'd completely put it out of her mind. She'd just forgotten all about it. Then this happened, Genesis 17, 15. God said to Abraham, as for Sarah, Sarai, your wife, you shall not uh, call her name Sarai, but Sarah uh, shall be her name. And I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. And I will bless her, and she shall become nations, kings of, of peoples shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? Such great news, and this was Abraham's response. He was 100 years old, and Sarah was 90, and he rolled on the floor laughing. She, she was not only discouraged, but <clears throat> when she first heard the news, she laughed too. It's laughable. Now, I'm not going to make an example of anybody in this church, but there are a lot of people that if I said so-and-so and so-and-so are having a baby, you would, you would all laugh because it's just not going to happen. Abraham was 100. Sarah was 90. By this time, they hadn't even discovered penicillin, much less other stuff. It wasn't going to happen aside from what did happen, and that's divine intervention. Verse 19, and God said, no. By the way, uh, Abraham said to God, what about just doing all this through Ishmael? He's already born. You know, let's just do it through Ishmael, okay? Go on, use him. And God said, no, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. 
Now, let me ask this. What, what impossibilities have you faced in your life, in your faith? Are there some impossibilities in your faith? Is it impossible for you to share your faith with somebody else? You say, that, I just I can't do that. It's just impossible for me to do. Is it impossible for you to, to pay your bills and to tithe to the Lord? I just can't do that. It's impossible. Is it impossible to raise your children the way that God says that they should be raised? Is it impossible for you to live a life without worrying? I could go on. However, none of us are facing what Abraham and Sarah were asked to believe. They were asked to believe that they could parent children at their age. You say, well, 90 back then was like 30. No. 90 back then was like 90. Look, here's what Jesus said in the book of Mark. With man it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. Let's just do a little test here. How many of you believe that all things are possible with God? Say amen. Amen. Whoo, that was everybody. Got 100% participation. That's great. All right then, then there'll be no more disobedience, right? There's no, no more. No more disobedience. And the reason there's no more disobedience is because we know that all things are possible with God. I'll tell you this. When there's divine intervention, there are definitive results. Abraham and Sarah did believe God after they rolled on the floor laughing. And then this is what happened in Genesis 21 and verse 1. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time that God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. How many of you remember the A-Team? You remember the A-Team on television? That's where Mr. T got famous. I like what Hannibal Smith used to say. He used to say, I love it when a plan comes together. You remember that? Well, that's the way it is by faith. You got to just love it when a plan comes together. My hope for all of us, and and, and let me say this, in particular, I'm going to say this because I feel responsible. This week I'll be 64 years old. I feel responsible for you 20-somethings and 30-somethings and 40-somethings. I feel responsible for you to get the torch and the understanding and believe God and start obeying Him in faith. I feel responsible for that. My hope and sense of responsibility for, for all of us, and particular for you, is to learn to walk in obedient faith by great numbers. Because if, if there's a slow leak in the church's faith today, part of it could be that those who have great faith are dying and going into the presence of God and, and left behind are fewer and fewer people who will walk in obedient faith. We have to lose this me first attitude. We have to lose this consumer Christianity. Jesus didn't die on the cross for you to have it your way. He died on the cross so you could be saved from your way. That's what Jesus did. 
Let me bring you to the last thing. That's ultimate faith. Verse 13, these all died in faith, having not received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared them for a city. Now, you know, sometimes when you're reading the Bible, you see something that, in a way that you never saw it before. And I saw something that I'd never really seen before in the way that I saw it, the nuance that I saw it. I saw those words, these all died in faith. Here's what that means. That means that they had an undying faith. To die in faith means you have an undying faith. Let me explain that. Abraham received a promise that would lead to the Messiah, but he never saw him. Yet he died in faith looking for the promise. He had an undying faith. He saw great things, but he never really saw the fulfillment of the promise of a great nation being born through his son Isaac. Yet he died looking for those things promised. The key here is that he never stopped believing. He never stopped looking. Here's what that means young people. Here's what that means, old people. That means that your faith should never have a tipping point where you say, okay, here it is. Now it's going away. Let us die in faith. Let us die looking for things uh, to come. We do ourselves and God a huge disservice by trying to fit God into our understanding and fit God into our mold. I learned a long time ago that you can't delegate up. You can try to delegate up, but eventually you're going to hit somebody to whom you cannot delegate. I can't delegate to God. I can't say to God, all right, I've got faith, and here's a way that I want you to let it work out in my life. Make it happen now. This is what I'm looking for. Look, to be obedient in faith is to obey God regardless There are a lot of things that I thought that I wanted in my lifetime that I'm just being very frank with you, I have never seen. I may see it. You say, oh, that's so sad. You're such a good man. You ought to be able to get anything you want. Here's what I want. I want God to use me. And I can't have a definition on that. I just can't. I don't know what that means other than to be obedient in faith. (laughs) The ultimate understanding of of this uh, point of undying faith is our dying day. If we plan to believe God for heaven with our last breath, then we should, uh, shouldn't we believe him for every breath that we take? You're going to do that. Those of you who are born again, you get to the end of this life, when you come to the end of life's long, weary road, when you come to the end of the way, you're going to believe God for your dying faith, that last step to get you into heaven. Why can't you believe God for that Monday step to get you through the day? Now seriously, think about it. 
I think our faith has gone flat. Have undying faith. They not only had undying faith, they had unblemished faith. Verse 14, for people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. When we live in faith, really practicing what we preach, we make a statement to those around us. People who watch us expect something of our faith. Here's how James addressed the matter in James chapter 2 and verse 17. So also faith by itself, it is, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Abraham and Sarah and all of these named in this passage thus far had the ultimate faith. They had undying faith. They had unblemished faith. Finally, they had a faith that was unashamed. They were unashamed of their faith. They didn't look back, the Bible says. They didn't look back. You you remember when Lot's wife looked back? Big mistake. She looked back. I used to have friends. This is a joke, but it's, it's a true joke. I used to do this. I had friends that would call me preacher friends back when early in the ministry and they'd say hey how you doing preacher and if we had had a tough day in church or something I'd say something like this driving a beer truck looks better all the time I used to say that all the time just and they would laugh ha 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 and I would laugh <laughs> the other day I was pulling up to the CVS store and I got out of my truck at, uh, at my Tahoe at the exact same time that the Budweiser guy got out of his delivery truck. And I just kind of smiled. And I thought about those days when I used to say that. I don't say it anymore, but I, used to, I thought about those days. I don't look back much anymore. And you shouldn't either. That's not faith. That's faltering I just don't look back. What would you do if you had it to do over? What choices would you have made that were different? There may have been some different choices, but what good does it do to look back? That's not walking in faith. What good would it do? Do you trust God's will for your life and his way in your life? Do you unashamedly look at your life without looking back at what it could have been or might have been or would have been and say, this is what my life is? God, I'll walk in faith with you today. That's obedient faith. My encouragement to you this morning is to obey in faith. To walk and to live in obedient faith. One question, we're going to pray and then have our communion. Did God bring something to your mind in this message concerning obedience for your own life did he not did i bring it to mind but did god was there a visit of the holy spirit that came through and stopped and said you know this is the area where you should be obedient and you're not if you're going to have faith to die by polish it up make it a faith
you can visit us at North Florida Baptist Church, 3000 North Meridian Road, Tallahassee, Florida, 32312. Visit us online at nflchurch.com. Dr. Ray invites you to join him next week for the Family Bible Hour.